If you're visiting with us, 
uh, that you'll hang around and give us a chance to say hello. We've got approximately three classes uh, that are available for you to choose from, one here in the auditorium, uh, one in the annex, and we also have a young adult class uh, in the little chapel. So we, we hope that you'll find the class that uh, you're most comfortable with. I've got a couple of announcements to begin before we go to our classes. Uh, first of all, I want to remind those in the Golden Circle uh, that our luncheon is going to be this coming Tuesday at 1130. Uh, we've got a guest speaker coming. Uh, is it Terry Roberts, right? Terry Roberts, the director of the Prentice Baldwin, Baldwin County Airport. So uh, we're going to have a good luncheon this coming Tuesday for our Golden Circle. Please plan to come. Also, we have a, a sad announcement to make. Uh, Diana Wall, one of the elders' wives at West Main, uh, fell ill on a cruise this week and was airlifted to New Orleans, and we just received the news that she passed away uh, this afternoon. So let's remember the Wall family in our prayers. I know uh, they're in a state of shock right now over that passing, so let's pray for them. Also, uh, please check the bulletin, the publication you received today, and let's remember all those that are sick and those that are grieving over lo lost loved ones in our prayer as well. So uh, before we dismiss the class, let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful to you for every good thing that you bless us with. We recognize that everything that we have that's good and right comes from you. Father, we are indeed mindful of so many today that are sick. Maybe they're sick in hospitals or, or they're sick at home. And Father, there are, are so many physical needs that many people have. And we pray that those needs can be met and uh, we pray that your hand of healing and uh, comfort can be upon them. And Father, we are mindful of many who are grieving over the loss of loved ones. We are thinking in particular right now of the Wall family over at West Main and the sadness that that family's feeling and the shock. And we also pray uh, not only for them, we pray for the Childs family, the Farr family during this difficult time. And Father, there are many that are dealing with uh, the loss of a loved one, and that's so difficult, but we're thankful for the promises that we find in your word. Father, we pray that you'll continue to watch over this congregation here at Boonville. Bless uh, this church. Uh, bless our leaders. Give them wisdom. And may we do all that we can to bring glory and honor to you. Most of all, Father, we're thankful for your son who came to this earth. He gave his life on the cross for our sins, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Oh, stop, stop. This is something new. We're going to sing one verse of a song while y'all sit down. They just tip me, and while the teachers go to class, all right? So let's sing one verse of To Canaan's Land, and as we're singing, teachers go to class, and when we're done, the rest of you can, all right? To Canaan's land, I hold my favorite soul.
I hope everyone is well tonight. If I can get my pen out. Wasn't it great to listen to those children sing uh, and hear what they've obviously been learning and how they're growing in that knowledge and it's becoming. And I want you to consider, it's easy sometimes as adults to take things like that for granted. But one of the things that I have tried to incorporate in what I try to do as a classroom teacher um, is a, a concept called their toolbox. And that sounds crazy. I show them an image of an empty toolbox and then one of a full toolbox. And then um, we talk about how that, and they all laugh, that a whole lot of our toolboxes are full of two things, a hammer and a roll of duct tape. And while in Mississippi there's a great many things that you can do with a hammer and a roll of duct tape, it'll only take you so far. Uh, and the idea is the thinking that you have to do, it's all about thinking. That the, more, the full, fuller your toolbox is, you automatically simply reach for what you know you need and do it. Um, and I've actually had students come back and say, you know, I was in this college class and I remember that toolbox thing and uh, uh, you were right. Um, that's filling their spiritual toolbox with automatic things that they will have as a part of who they are that God will build on. And so I appreciate your encouragement. So tonight, let's um, uh, very quickly... Uh, put those that, uh, that are on your hearts and on your mind on our prayer list as we move into our Bible class. Is there anyone? You know, speak? Yes, sir. Francis Brinkley family funeral is Tuesday afternoon at 2. McMillan. The Francis Brinkley family. And she was a member here, right, many years ago and was in Texas. And uh, funeral is, you said, Tuesday? Tuesday, Tuesday at 2 o'clock at McMillan. Let's remember that family. Transition is always difficult. Um, who else do we need to put on our list? Lex Crisson. Say that again? Lex Crisson, C-R-O-W-S-O-N. He's in the hospital here. He's got COVID. He has other issues, too. Okay. Lex Crisson. And of course, as is always mentioned, there's a long list on our prayer list. Uh, in our bulletin, things that are ongoing, things that are new. Uh, my mother's home from the hospital, but still will have to go back to the hospital to have the stent removed and uh, the kidney stone as well. Um, uh, because it's not going to pass, apparently. So in those things, um, I have been told that kidney stones are your one of the hardest things you can deal with. And so, but thank you for praying for her and please continue to do that. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are mindful of your goodness and your grace. And as we open our hearts to your word, very, the first thing we do is come before your throne humbly 
asking your forgiveness of our shortcomings, for they are many. Asking for your forgiveness of sins as we do our best to turn from them and do our best to walk in the light. Wash us in the blood of the Lamb, Father, and as we open the gospel of our Savior and look into it for truth so that we might know exactly what it is you want us to know as we consider the world around us and things that are often thought and taught and practiced that aren't in harmony with your truth, may we understand uh, what is right because your truth is in the toolbox of our hearts so that we are striving to live by. And Father, as we close this prayer, we especially ask your uh, hand upon the lives and the hearts of the family of family of Francis Brinkley as they prepare for and go through a funeral service and all the transition that's involved in the loss of a loved one. For Lex Krausen and those caring for him and the medical and physical uh, needs that he has, we know that you know more than we ever will and we pray that you will bless these individuals about whom we have asked in accordance to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now as we look at our study tonight for a little while, I want us to go back to where we were last week. And as you already understand, these are not meant to be, um, these are not meant to be standalone uh, or we're digging deeper, is what I am trying to say. We're digging, we're rolling up the, the metaphorical th sleeves of our, our minds and we're digging a little deeper. Rather than just doing superficial lessons, nothing wrong with that, or very quick lessons, uh, all Bible-based wouldn't be anything wrong with that. But we're digging a little deeper. We are in lesson three, if you were counting them that way, and looking at things that have to do with the church and so we ask the question then, if we're going to consider the plethora of uh, differences that we see in the world religiously under the banner of church and serving God, and how do we know what's right? Well, obviously the answer to that is by looking into the Word of God. And so we do that in the form of a question. What does the Bible teach regarding the church? And so we're, we're looking at those. We looked at, number one, Jesus built the church and only Jesus grants access to it. And we notice from Scripture that that is a Bible truth. Number two, Jesus built the church, therefore the church belongs to Christ and wears his name. Again, that's a Bible truth that we're understanding. Number three, the church is the body of Christ. And we spent some time looking at those Scriptures that it is without a doubt a fact, a Bible fact, that the, that the church is the body of Christ according to what the New Testament teaches. Are we true on all of those? Now, all, our only goal is to speak where the Bible speaks, to be silent where the Bible is silent, call Bible, name, Bible things by Bible names, and do Bible things in Bible ways in our effort to restore and live and practice and teach the doctrine of New Testament Christianity. If that's our goal, then we'll let the Bible do our talking. And so number four, we got to, uh, according to the gospel of Christ, there is only one body of Christ. 
Now, there are six of these that interweave with one another. And I got ahead of myself last week a little bit, having taught this class once before. I let one, I actually used an illustration that goes with another point, but it worked. <laughs> but according to the gospel of Christ, there's only one body. So don't take my word for it. Don't take the word for someone with whom you're talking or, or expect them to take your word for it. Let's look at some scriptures. Now, I invite you to turn, and Brother Rick's going to read into the microphone. Now, Brother Rick, I, when I handed you the mic, I did not tell you uh, that you were going to have to read some lengthy passages. So um, it's too late now to pass the mic. But as you read that, I'm going to stop you, okay? Be prepared for me to stop you if that's okay. And I hope that if you're not looking at scripture, you're listening to it so that when I stop, you recognize what we're focused on. But we already read in chapter one, verse 22 and 23. If you don't care, Rick, read chapter one, 22 and 23, and then we'll move into chapter two. Ephesians. Twenty-two and twenty-three. And has put all things. Okay, twenty-one and twenty-two. Uh, twenty-two, 22 and, twenty-three. and twenty-three. Okay. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Okay. Now let's move into chapter two. We're moving to chapter 2, and we won't read all 22 verses, but I want you to start, and I want you to see something here. It's a Bible reality. Bible teaches, the New Testament shows us that he is head, who is Jesus, head over all things to the church, which is his body. Okay, now let's go into chapter 2. And you have, you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. For in the times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherein, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward, toward us through Jesus Christ. For by the grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we would walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. All right, let me stop you right there. Now, do you see what we've noticed so far? That 
If we are in Christ, we've been made alive, we were dead, we were dead in trespasses, dead in sins, without uh, God, without hope, without God in this world. But through God's rich grace, through grace, through faith, we are now able to be alive in Christ. Brought near, brought to God. Remember Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, we're separated through sin. Now we're brought back near to God through the cross of Christ. It's through Jesus. Remember, uh, keep in mind, think as though you're sitting having a conversation with someone. You're not arguing about differences, but we're talking, we're discussing. The church is the body of Christ, right? Absolutely. Now, we, through the blood of Christ, are able to escape being dead in trespasses and sin, and we are brought not away from God, but who were away from God, now near to God through through the blood of Jesus. Okay, absolutely. Now, for time's sake, uh, go ahead and read, well, read verses 14 through 18. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. Well, wait a minute. Reconcile both? Remember, afar off, now we've been brought near to God through the cross, but wait a minute. He might reconcile them both to God. How? In one body through the cross. Now do you see the connection in the cross of Christ? In Christ, but through one body. Okay, keep going. Having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He came and preached to those who were far off. We might be made near uh, access by one spirit to the, or through him. What him? Is he talking about Jesus? That through that cross in that one body? Okay, now read 19 through 22. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. We are fellow citizens and saints and members of the blank of God. What goes in that blank? That's not the word he used there. What's the word he used there? Did you just read the what of God? Household of God. Household. Uh, what's a household? Those who, those who live in your house are your what? Family. Okay, the household, the family of God. So when we say church family, we're using Bible terminology, are we not? Okay, now with that said, Let's look at verses 20 and 21 of chapter 3. Now, understand, I'm, we're digging deep tonight. We're digging deeper in the well uh, to understand some things. Now, look at, please, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Rick, now, you might, go ahead, sir. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, 
Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. According to, the, to him be glory where? In the what? In the church. In the church by Christ Jesus. Okay, now I want to ask you a question. Feel free to speak. Please speak. Um, according to what we just read, we go back to chapter 1, 22, 23, the whole of chapter 2, and now this passage in chapter 3. Are the terms church, the body of Christ, and the household of God used synonymously? Are they used to mean the same thing? Yes. Yes. Okay. So we're with that, right? The household of God, the body of Christ, the church, those are used synonymously. Now, that's the Bible. Now let's look at chapter 4. We won't read all of 16 because we'll come back to the latter part of 16 in just a few minutes. Um, let's see. Mr. Rick, Brother Rick, if you don't care, read. Okay, read the first six verses. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you, you, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, if a, if a team leader in an uh, organization or a coach in a, uh, for a sports team or some other supervisor type situation in any kind of organization is trying to promote unity among his players, her players, his workers, her team members, the idea that that individual wants to promote is that we work how? We work how? I heard it. Together. If we work together, that means we are blank team, blank unit. What? One. Okay. Now, keep that in mind. And also, if you are a person who underlines in your Bible, I want you to notice... Um, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. You might want to underline that word unity because we're going to see it again. But there is how many bodies according to this? One. Now, we've already learned that the word church, the word body of Christ, and the word um, household of God are used synonymously. They mean the same thing. There's no way to misunderstand that they mean the same thing in reading this. Remember... Originally, you pull the scroll open and you read it in its original language. You're not reading chapter 1, verse 22. You're reading the whole thing. And the whole thing makes it clear, logically, the Holy Spirit is telling us these are the same thing. And he said there's only one of them. So, according to the gospel of Christ, there's only one body of Christ. True? And that means then if the body is the church that Jesus built, how many churches did Jesus build? One, that's a logical, scriptural conclusion, not an idea, okay? Number five, 
Now, this one has to go right on the heels of what we just looked at. Number five, according to the gospel of Christ, faithful Christians make up the body of Christ, the church. Now, you might say, you might be thinking in your mind, well, duh, that's something that's kind of an automatic, right? But I learned a long time ago in the... Uh, uh, public school English classroom, you don't assume anything. Uh, so when I'm studying the Word of God with someone, I'm not going to make any assumptions. Let's make sure we cross all the T's, dot all the I's. According to the gospel of Christ, faithful Christians make up the body, the church. Is that who it is? Well, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27. Please, yes, sir. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Okay, ye are the, you are the body of Christ, member, members in particular. Okay, now we've already learned the body of Christ is the what? Say it. The church. The church that Jesus built, it's his body. And so therefore those who are in the household of God, Ephesians 4, are in the body. So far, so good. Now... Uh, let's go back to Ephesians 4. Now in Ephesians 4, this time we're going to start with verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some, pa and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into, into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The goal is for every member of the body. And remember, he said, the, we've already learned that the body is the church. And he said that we, the whole point of this is that we are no more like children, no more easily confused, no more easily misled or, mis or, or, or misunderstand, but that we grow in our, our faith, we grow in our uh, maturity as far as our spiritual knowledge so that we're not tossed anymore by trickery or, or ideas that don't fit the Word of God. We recognize them. We recognize them because we recognize the truth, and that's what he makes very clear to us so that the body grows and the body is edified, but notice the word, the edifying of the body of Christ once. And then he said the growth of the body again a second time, from whom the whole body a third time, it's growing up under the head Christ. Okay, Christ is the head of the body. The body is the church. And so therefore, those who are growing, those who are out of the world, growing in Christ are members of the church that Jesus built, the body of Christ. Now, before we leave this passage, though, I want you to look at the word unity in verse number 13. Till we all come to the unity of faith 
and the knowledge of the Son of God. I think if we're, if we're not careful, we read over that. Oh, we recognize it as a part of the truth, and it is a part of the message here, but wait a minute. The point of, all, of the plan that God is unfolding through Christ is that those who, Acts 2.47, who've obeyed the gospel, been added to the church by the Lord, those who have been reconciled to God through the cross of Jesus in that one body, and they're the same thing, that those individuals will grow in the knowledge of the Son of God and the unity of faith. Okay, I'm, I'm going to confess something to you today that I, I know what the word unity means, but I never appreciated its depth and its power here until I, I looked this Greek word up and I looked another word up. The word um, unity in this Greek word literally means unity, equivalent, yeah, watch this, to the word, uh, I won't say it right, unanimity, that's it. That's a big old word, uh, unanimity. So, Y'all wanna say it with me? No, I'm kidding. Unanimity, now you say, what is that? So I looked it up, it's, it's equivalent to the word unanimity, See, say that, fast three times, uh, but it literally, well, wait a minute, it literally means agreement of all the people involved. If you possess unanimity, the unity that this Greek word means, then everybody's on the same page. Everybody is, it means the quality of being unanimous. What's what are you talking about? Number 11, it, it, God give all the gifts to the people. Number 12, it tells why he done it. And 13, tell how long it's going to last, you know. Till they all come to unity of the faith. The other word in the Bible put in people's hands. So, Luther, did y'all hear what he said? Have you ever heard of such nonsense? Non if I understand what you said, you're saying that when the Bible that you can take your Bible and Jim can take his Bible and he can, Tommy can take his Bible and, and we can all read it and come to the same understanding? Have you ever heard such? Folks, that's exactly what unity of the faith means. That we can be unanimous in our understanding because it's... Psalm 131 said how good and pleasant the Lord for the... Brethren drill together in unity. And that doesn't mean they just all get along. That certainly means that. But you know how they get along? They are all unanimous in their study of, in their obedience of the word, right? So the idea here is that according to the gospel, here's what I want you to see, that faithful Christians make up the body of Christ and if when they come to the unity of the faith, in their study of the united scripture, of the unanimous truth, will there be room for factions of difference as far as truth is concerned? No. And that is what's important to understand here. So, those who are faithful Christians are those who are unanimously together united in their understanding of the word of God. And so the reason I wanted to dwell on that just a little bit because that's right. Anybody else? Thoughts?
Number six. Um, according to the gospel of Christ, the church is the bride of Christ. Now, that's important. And, I'll, and, and we'll talk about why in just a second. But in Ephesians chapter 5, let's read a couple of lengthier passages. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 31. First, yes, sir. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be, their own, be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Read 32 as well. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. God teaches us so much there about the beauty and the sanctity and the organization of marriage and family and husband and wife and home. But don't miss the fact that he is saying that's able to be the truth and to guide you because it's true about Christ and the church. I'm talking to you about the relationship that exists between Christ and his body, the church, which now is being called his bride. Okay, now just hold that thought and turn with me to Revelation 21. Revelation 21 is an interesting passage. And there's a lot we could learn there, but we're only looking for at one thing here. Revelation 21. Now I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to be careful here because my, I'm wanting a new King James. I've got to get a new King James, and I've got this parallel Bible, and it's got... Something on one side that definitely you don't want me to read, and I'm trying to be careful not to read the wrong one. Now I'm thinking about just marking all that side off. Revelation 21, 1 through 10, please. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. All right, stop right there. Let that sink in for a second because in our next lesson that will come into play. The idea of a holy Jerusalem uh, now coming down out of heaven, uh, New Jerusalem, as a bride prepared for adorned for her husband. Okay, keep going. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and, their, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall be, there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. 
I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcome cometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now, there's so much here, but the beauty of it here, uh, for our purposes, for our study, is that the church, and here appears to be a, a picture of the saved condition of the church uh, one day. But the idea is the lamb uh, or the lamb's bride adorned for her husband, the bride of Christ. So that's obviously talking about the what? Church. The church. Did I just squeak? <laughs> wow. Sorry. Uh, the, um, the church, absolutely. So, with all that, in, now do understand, uh, Acts 17.30 makes it clear that there were times that uh, God uh, permitted some things to happen, uh, but uh, did not ever uh, approve for them eternally, and now all men everywhere need to repent. And so when I read in Scripture, uh, Matthew 19, verses 1 through 9, and, and maybe a few more verses for clarity, makes it clear that uh, God's plan is for one man to marry, oh, come on, the kids got it. One woman for how long? For a lot. Okay, now, so uh, if I have a bride, how many women are I married to? One. And I, she wears whose name? Her husband's. Okay. And okay, we get that. So the church is the bride of Christ. Now, with all of that, we could continue going. But what I want to do, and this is going to work out just right. Now, there are a few things that I have written on the board or that I have on the screen that I want you to think about this. You have friends and family and loved ones who have grown up with these phrases. You have heard these phrases. Here's where the speaking the truth in love comes in. Based on the gospel of Christ or what it teaches, what it reveals about the Lord's church, the following ideas or doctrines, beliefs or teachings cannot be true or pleasing to God because they contradict the authority of the scripture. So I would say to my friend sitting across the kitchen table, I am concerned that what you just said to me doesn't match what we just studied in scripture. A saved person may join the church of his or her choice. There is no choice, only God's choice, and he puts me into the church that his son built because that's the son's body, and it is through the cross of the son that I have access to God, and that puts me into his body. Now, that's what we just studied, right? One church is as good as another. Now, that statement may be very well true when it comes to social things, when it comes to sincerity, when it comes to many, many, many other considerations. But as far as scripture is concerned, there is only one body. There is only one church. 
So I have to make sure that I am. And someone will say, well, wait a minute. You mean that you? Absolutely not. When I sit down with you and we open our Bible, if I find myself to be wrong, I pray that the God of heaven will give me the courage to be man enough, person enough to say, you're right, I just saw that, I'm wrong. Because if I'm not willing to change what I believe, if the truth shows me to be wrong, I can't ask somebody else to do that. But I have confidence in the truth. I'm going to follow it. Number three, the third one, we are all basically the same. We just see some things and do some things differently. Had that said to me, uh, it hadn't been too long ago. Now, that is true that we do some things uh, differently and see some things differently. But according to Ephesians 4, if we are growing into that one body, the unity of the faith means that we have to be on the same page in matters of faith, in matters of salvation, in matters of eternal doctrine. I didn't make that uh, statement or plan or, or pattern. I, did, I didn't lay that as the groundwork. God did. He did through his son. When he gave him all authority on heaven and on earth, when he sat him down at the right hand of the throne on high and made him the head of the body, then it is through him that all other considerations come in regard to worship, in regard to who I am, what I am, what I say, everything. We are all going to the same place, just going different ways. Now, John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now you take that verse and read it in light of Ephesians 1, 2, 3, 4. 1, 2, 3, and 4. It's made it clear that that path is through Jesus. Uh, and we'll look at, did we? Seems like I missed a verse. Did we read Galatians 3? I skipped it, didn't I? That's what I thought. Time out. We need to read this because it's important. Let's go back to Galatians 3. And we'll have just enough time. 26 through 29. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male or female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be the Christ, you, if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Very quickly, if I've been baptized into Christ, I put on Christ. I am in the body of Christ. Is that correct? I'm in Christ. Okay. Silly, silly, silly illustration, but you can't miss it. If I need, and I'm just going to bring one up here, and I forgot. If I need to take a, a Tylenol, an ibuprofen, and I take it put it in my mouth, I take a sip of water and I swallow it. It's now inside of me, right? That's, yeah, it's that silly, but that's easy to get. Well, how many me's are there standing here? One. I just raised this left hand. Did I do that accidentally or because my brain set a signal? Okay, that's the head. If I'm in Christ, there's only one Christ and he's the head. 
and this hand isn't going to move unless my brain tells it to. Everything I do is controlled by Christ. So the idea that we're, uh, um, that we're all going different ways makes no sense because there's only one cross and there's only one Christ and there's only one body. And if we're all in Christ, we're all in the same place and the unity of the faith requires that we're all doing the same thing. That there's no room for any other possibility. That's the simple truth. And then three more real quick and we'll stop. The, same, the name over the door is not important because we're all serving the same God. Well, if you don't, how many, raise your hand if you're a married male. If you're a man and you're married to, uh, okay, let me see your hands. Okay, now, how many of you have wives sitting in here tonight who have wedding rings on? Or have wives, okay. Now, uh, Jim, I'm going to assume that you know what the wedding ring that Janita wears looks like, right? Would you notice, do you mind if I ask you a question? Yeah, okay. Oh, well, he, just, he just said go ahead, but be very careful. No. Um, if, would you notice it? If, uh, or would you have a problem if you looked down one day and, uh, Sister Janita was wearing a different ring. Would you notice that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, where'd you get that? Oh, I got that. Wait, no, uh, no. We recognize, well, yeah, but that makes it. Wait a minute. The name over the door does, is not important because we're all serving the same God. That doesn't match all the things we've heard and learned. If I belong to Christ, I wear his name and only the names that he allows. Otherwise, I'm adding to. Remember that? Uh, we're all washed in, uh, from our sins in the blood of Christ. It doesn't matter what name we wear. If we're all serving God sincerely, minor differences in opinions don't matter. Only uh, they do if they have to do with eternal truth. Now, real quick, and we'll stop. You think I'm being funny here, but I promise I'm not. If you were, uh, this is what I did in the other class, and it made perfect sense. How many of you ever had chicken from Hardee's? Raise your hand. Yep, don't ask me if you like it or not. It's a different opinion. How many of you had chicken from Kentucky Fried Chicken? Oh, you know you can go down and get both. But the question is, can I purchase a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken at Hardee's? No. Well, why not? Chicken is chicken, right? No, it's not. What? It's not the same. It's not the same? Why? Different taste, different recipe. Oh, really? Okay. So I can't get Kentucky Fried Chicken at Hardee's. If I want New Testament Christianity and I want to be the New Testament church, I have to follow the New Testament recipe laid down by Jesus Christ. Sir, absolutely. absolutely. And I cannot do it any other way. Six o'clock even. I'm, I'm only 18 seconds over. Great. Thank you very much. Have a great night.